0: Today's episode of the Wretched Hive podcast is sponsored by Timeless Pints Brewing Company. Timeless Pints is your go-to location for distinctively different beer in Southern California. They offer a huge variety of amazing handcrafted beers, including Belgians, Blonde, and Red Ales. The Honey Blonde is actually delicious. But really, the Dark Beers are my favorites, and the Bear Reader Huckleberry Stout has been my go-to beer for years with its complex roast of malts and barley and just a hint of huckleberry. Oh man, it is delicious. Lately I've been enjoying the Rocktoberfest and when it comes back around, the London Porter is one of the best beers I think I've ever had. But over at Timeless Pints, the beer is great. It's really the service though that sets Timeless Pints apart. That place is really my cheers and it's been that way for the last five years. Timeless Pints is right here in Southern California in Lakewood, just a mile or so off the 405 freeway at the Cherry Avenue exit, right next to Long Beach Airport. To keep up with the latest beer releases, information about food trucks or special events, follow Timeless Pints at Timeless Pints on Twitter, or visit them on the web at TimelessPints.com. Pop over to Timeless Pints today, have a pint, and make sure to tell them The Wretched Hive sent you. Welcome to The Wretched Hive. Podcast. I got a bad
1: feeling about this. Moss Iceland Spaceport. What are you talking about? We'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This
0: is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that original episode nine writer colin trevorrow rhymes with tomorrow wanted to put in that movie a sword fight a lightsaber fight between darth vader and kylo ren how cool would that have been
2: david Prouse is still pissed about it too
0: (laughs) and you're probably asking you're probably asking yourself how would that have worked How would that have possibly worked? Well, we're going to explain it to you because you have found The Wretched Hive Podcast for Friday, January 24th, 2020. Episode 105 of the show. My name is Steve Baldwin, and the entire cast of characters is with us tonight. And we'll start it off by introducing the Wookiee Co-Pilot himself, Greg Lent. Stevie, Beastie Boys at the Garden, cold kicking it live. So good to be here for another
2: week of great <laughs> Star Wars talk with you guys, my friends, my cohorts, mm. my compatriots, my I don't know, something else. <laughs> is kind of Collaborators! Like that. Collaborators! Thank you, you very go. much, and thank you everybody for joining in with us to listen to us talk about all of our shenanigans and no good winks and all of that other shady stuff that mm. we'll be doing for the next, oh, 60 to 70 minutes or so.
0: No, No doubt a lot of shady stuff about to happen. Did we lose Nico, by the way. Yes, we did. What happened to him? Perfect timing. Speaking of shady, <laughs> everything was going smooth. Ah, it's all right. You know who's really smooth on Who the show? Is really smooth. This man, he is a lifelong. It's a long time. It's a long time. Real long. <laughs> Star Wars fan, Stop! Ivansky! Steve, I'm
3: here. I feel so good. Whoa. Everyone's always talking about me being too quiet on the mic. So I'm just getting there. I'm getting into it tonight. I'm sitting in the Hive studio, mm-hmm. and I'm just realizing this has become the new Rancho Obi-Wan. We have uh, oh, yeah. quite a collection that's been donated here, and I feel like all fighters are coming in at me right now.
0: Yeah, donations from um, Rancho Ivansky one, I think, <laughs> from, uh, we've got some, uh, uh, original, well, we've got the, the BMF, uh, the Falcon. Falcon. Yeah, yeah. Coming right down at us. We've got, motherfucker? Wing. yeah. We've got a TIE fighter. <laughs> we've got, um, Oh man, the I mean, Royal Starship. Yeah, we have got a Nabu fighter protecting the Royal, royal
2: Starship <laughs> with cheese. I feel like the I'm, in. I'm in. I'm
3: yep. You know what? I feel like I'm sitting at the final battle of Rise of Skywalker. Oh. All ships oh. are present, and I'm Ooh. loving it. And Every
0: I'm, ship in the galaxy. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's a lot of ships in that final battle. I'm
3: excited to be here. I can't wait to talk about some really great stuff today. Oh, we're going
0: to talk about some great stuff, yeah. including a lot about a lot of news about the Rise of Skywalker. Now we're going to continue our ongoing review of the rise of skywalker yeah but before we get there we got to finish introductions here um i am so happy that this guy came back online he is the captain of the, the of nico
1: rodriguez
0: hi hello how are you steve hey man I'm The Hive. how are
4: we all doing tonight
0: great we thought we lost you for a second there buddy
4: Yeah, no. Unlike um, my boomer counterparts on the show, I don't let technical difficulties stop me for more than 35 seconds.
0: That's so so great, Zoomer. I'm so happy to hear that. That's great.
4: Yeah, except for you just introduced me as a millennial, so explain to me how I'm a
3: Zoomer. Oh, did I screw that that's up? An, that's <laughs> that's, that's okay. okay he literally right just called every one of us a boomer. and are you, boomer! Us... Give me some soup. Are, are any of us boomers?
2: None of, none of us are boomers in this that's instance. Right. So. <laughs> oh, <shit.
5: laughs> that's right. Ah, shit. Take that, millennial.
0: <clears throat> and <laughs> finally. Yeah, and I made the stars
1: that became the carbon in your mother's ovaries.
0: God. <laughs> we have
1: I probably could turn myself into a teenager and hang out in the zit covered hormone addled low stakes ass world that is high school
0: Dave
1: what it's just a practical way of making sure that when she's done with you you can get one of your balls back
0: <laughs> under <laughs> no circumstances
1: god damn it I love myself
0: should you ever
1: because I invent transform create and destroy
0: for a living and I mean
1: there are a bunch of drama queens that spend an hour talking and 20 minutes jumping around while shit blows up
0: (laughs) sounds like this show ever
1: (laughs) and you survive because people think oh this poor piece of shit he never gets a break I can't stand the (laughs) deafening silent wails of his wilting soul (laughs) call him try swallowing the giant ball of snot that's dangling around in the back of your throat
0: ew (laughs) that's not snot I gotta cough something up Harry do I tell him we don't have a deal Morty because
1: if we can kill our enemies but we can't jack them off then how are we better than them (laughs) Potter you f*** the squirrels Morty we got a good five minutes before they're backing up on our ass Morty
0: oh (laughs) Oh, Oh, dear god
5: Welcome to the show, Dave! Oh my god, it is 2020. Mm. It's just, the world feels like it's spinning out of control. The lying, the cheating, the unaccountability, Mm. and honestly, what I'm talking about is Major League Baseball. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Fuck those
2: dirty... Fucking I, asterisk cheaters. So mm. I
5: want to I want to take a couple minutes here. I just want to I want to go because I haven't read the show notes. Big fucking surprise. I haven't <laughs> read the show notes, but I want to take a couple minutes here because I think long time listeners of the show will know I give my cohorts and my good friends on the show a lot of shit because most of them are lifelong Dodger fans mm. and it hasn't ended well mm. for the Dodgers the last couple of years. Not so much. No. Not so much. And now a lot of stuff is happening that makes it seem like maybe they should have ended well for the Dodgers. So because I have nothing against the Dodgers, and I want people to understand, I give my friends shit because they're my friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to pause to talk about this for a minute because I am endlessly fascinated by sports, how we all relate to sports, and what cheating can mean to sports. So since this is so, I think this is so personal for you guys, I wanted to pause for a minute, talk about it, and just make sure I'm understanding it too, especially since I give you guys so much grief over what has what has transpired over the last year. So cheating is part of baseball, correct? Do I have that part right about the unwritten code of baseball? Cheating is part of baseball. Well, it's the ways in which you yes. cheat. And, that, and that's where I'm going with it. So cheating yes. is a part of baseball. Stealing signs, as they say, the communication between the catcher and the pitcher. Stealing signs is part of baseball. But what happened here is above and beyond – any of that schoolyard level stuff that would normally go on in a major league game. This was like a, an institutionalized process to steal signs so that batters would know what the pitcher was going to throw. And like in Bull Durham, be ready for it and tattoo the ball. Tattoo the ball for added hits. Do I have that right? That's correct. That's, that's exactly yeah.
0: right. That's exactly right. And the way they did it is blatantly illegal. It states in the rule book. You cannot use electronic means to do that. You can. It doesn't say you can't steal signs. That's different. That's part of the game. It's been part of the game for 100 years. This was blatant, intentional, premeditated cheating during the most important games in our national pastime that happened to impact the Dodgers but in 2017. But if it had been any other team, I'd be just as pissed off. Um, and by the way, it's fine that you didn't read the show notes anyway because um, I prepared them, and then the Astros stole them, so it's fine. <laughs> don't worry about it.
5: <laughs> well played, well played. so this this is the thing that I, I don't get, and we've gotten into a little bit, and I, I appreciated that you made that distinction. And I an analogy I think I made with one of you as a question was it, it akin to like counting cards in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Vegas doesn't want you to count cards, but if you're smart enough to do it in your head, like Rain Man, there's really not much they can do about it except ask you to leave the casino. The but, difference... if lose, but if you lose it, use an electronic device, which some people do try to use, that's when you get in real legit trouble. This
4: is more like having two people at the same table and only one of them can count cards, but the one person is playing both hands and electronically telling the other person to hit or mm-hmm. stay kind of a thing.
0: Okay. All right. Well, so... this this was someone in the clubhouse – looking at the TV feed, looking at the catcher signs, and then relay- relaying that to the batter by banging on a trash can lid. And that is illegal. You cannot use electronic means to seal signs in baseball. And so, they did it during the World Series. Yeah. And, so and, and the, all the playoffs, too. So these well, are the
2: two well, parts that I don't understand. Yeah, I really and they, want to get...
0: Sorry, they, don't,
2: they, don't, they don't know how... They don't know if or how they did it during the World Series because there's the allegations of the buzzer mm-hmm. that's not really pr- the trash can thing confirmed, verified, it's out there, you can look it up, it's all over YouTube yeah. Yeah. the buzzer thing is still the buzzer rumored. thing isn't in- confirmed yeah and, ju- and, con- right. and and during the World Series, there was no none of the trash can stuff going on during the World Series, not even at but, not even at, at Astros, not even at Astros, when Ashes were the home team.
4: So, my thing is, how about instead of using the TV feed, you sit somebody, like, all the way back behind second base Mm -hmm. with a pair of fucking binoculars, like most people would have, and have them sit there on the phone and talk, or, I guess you couldn't use a phone, huh? It it has to be be some sort of analog, so you fucking wave a flag, a different colored flag with but, some binoculars. But, There's nothing but, electronic about that.
2: It's not it's not electronic. It's it's a device of some type and the device in this type would be the binoculars and the flag that would make it well, illegal.
0: Well, look, there, this,
2: there there was a case of somebody doing that when they first introduced the curveball back in the teens or the 20s or whatever. Um, and somebody actually used binoculars to intercept the signs and relay them to the to the batter and they've called that out as illegal.
5: So so let, let me ask this cuz this is the part I don't understand and I want to get your guys's help on especially you Scott cuz I know you're you're a big time Dodger fan. Okay. I get I get the punishments that were handed down against the Astros and that the GM and the coach were suspended and then the Astros as an organization subsequently fired both of them mm-hmm. for yeah. loss of control on the of the institution or whatever. Yeah. Totally get that makes sense. Can argue about how justified the length of penalties are but whatever. I don't understand why there are no penalties being issued against the players who were involved in this because Uh, either it bubbled up and the players came up with it and the, the leadership did nothing to stop it or it bubbled down and that the leaders told the players to do it and the players didn't refuse. They went ahead and did it even though they knew it was against the rules. So either way, the players to me are just as culpable as the manager and the GM, but also how come the Astros have not been stripped Of the World Series. I I don't think you could give that championship to the Dodgers at that point. I don't think you can go back and say we know for sure that the outcome would have been that the Dodgers won if this hadn't been in play. But I think there's enough preponderance of evidence to show enough things were altered that the trajectory of the Astros winning the World Series would not have happened. Okay, there's a lot to answer right there, but I'm going to
3: say this. I agree with pretty much everything you say except for that last segment. Um, I don't know where the investigations are going. I think they're still ongoing into
2: They're this. still investigating Boston and Alex Cora, who was involved with both teams. And
3: who has been fired.
0: Who correct? was the bench coach in t- 2017 with Houston and then the manager in 2018 with 20. Boston. Right, and now there's an investigation into the mm-hmm. Boston World Series
3: mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. As far as I understand this, but mm-hmm. even the Houston Astros, I agree. I think that there should be. I they're still looking at the buzzer situation. I think with uh, uh what is it? What it? Who is it? Altuve, oh, Altuve, Altuve, Altuve. Altuve. Yeah. Um, and Bregman. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that investigation pans out. I do think there should be penalties on the people that were involved. Um, certainly the pitchers, and uh, however they were being conveyed over there, somebody had to have been in the know to be. Receiving those signals and throwing certain ways. I mean, that's just part of the game. I, my thing is though, I think we had a big argument about this on, on our thread and I want to just state one point and I may be wrong. I don't care. It's my opinion. I don't want to win a world series by this method, but that's not about me as a fan and my opinion of it. I think it should default to the team that played the best. There were two teams that made it. If it was the Giants, I'd say the same thing. Let the Giants take the team and keep the asterisk asterisk behind the series title and say, look, two teams made it. We don't know what the outcome was, but we do know what the outcome was at this point, and one team cheated. Mm -hmm. The other team, that doesn't take away the fact that the other team played their hearts out. That bothers me. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry it just happens to be I'm the fan and it's the Dodgers, but it's realistic that... Out of all the teams in baseball, two teams made it that far and played. And we both know by looking at statistics, I mean, all of us know, by looking at any of the statistics and the facts of those two years, that both of those teams were top-notch teams. But now you have to put into question one of those teams clearly didn't make it there on their own merits. They cheated. The other team clearly did. Now, whether or not they would have won, we can't guess that. But the series did end. So now nobody wins, and we just put a big smear on it. And I got issues on this also. We we've talked about this. Um, uh, Pete Rose is banned for life uh, for betting on his what his own team. Okay, mm-hmm. we got people they're just getting slaps on the
0: wrist. Allegedly, only his own team. Okay, allegedly, but well, and breaking the, the
2: and, like the players not even a slap on the wrist, no punishment at all, which is a, a travesty.
0: Okay, right. so you so you can't you can't prove that a player in the batter's box could hear the banging trash can, you cannot prove that. But video you can prove device. that someone allowed the trash can to be banged and that it happened.
5: Okay, and, and the, that in of itself yeah. is a violation of the rules, whether it impacted the game or not.
0: That's right. And there's one guy in that clubhouse that is supposed to know everything that's going on and that is ultimately responsible, and that's the manager. And that's why um, AJ Hinch got fired. Okay, for the Astros, and that's why Cora got fired from the Red Sox because they don't want to have anything to do with any misgivings.
3: But can't they The so Red Sox are a class
0: organization.
3: Even though he knows, he's supposed to know everything that's going on, and you can't prove that the batter... Can't you see, st- like, statistically how a batter plays throughout the year and come to a conclusion if suddenly they're hitting, you know... 300, yeah. 333, whatever it is, they can take that and look, and all of a sudden in one game... You that... can't,
0: but it's not definitive proof. It's not
3: definitive. I understand. I mean, the Dod- I, two I, of I the
0: understand. hottest pitchers in in the game were Clayton Kershaw and you, Darvish, and they got hammered yeah. in Houston. And so, it, was, is that definitive proof? That they were cheating? No, because Kershaw gets hammered in the postseason. So, <laughs> But no, 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 that's a good point. Darvish does not. And that was
3: one of my big issues that an article came up. Darvish was the, the clinch hit a uh, pitcher for us. Why, if you look at Kershaw's performance
4: mm-hmm.
3: versus Darvish Darvish's performance, mm-hmm. that shouldn't have happened. Darvish was annihilated in game seven. I mean, it looked brutal. So why can't we look at that? And it may not be definitive, but it could be at least somewhat,
0: I don't know. Suggest- yeah. yeah, it's suggestive. It's suggestive, but it's not definitive. I understand. It
3: just bothers yeah. me. It yeah. bothers me the yeah. way everything's being handled, and I don't think enough punishments are being handed down. That's what I think. Yeah,
2: I, I agree with you, Scott, and I think that there should be more punishments to the players because mm. uh, if you, if you just look at it's it's. And Steve, why you can't prove it? If you look at the amount of pitches that they laid off on that were change-ups and that were swinging away on that coincide with the bang that oh, was yeah. going on during the regular season. Yeah. It's it's pretty deep. I mean your eyes don't lie. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but I just got I got to disagree. I mean I know. about the about the championship. It's just you know the I, the players don't want that, you know. We as fans don't want to come back at 2040 whatever and celebrate the 25th anniversary of the of the Dodgers World Championship that they didn't ever Celebrate! You know yeah. nobody wants that. I I would just rather see it just uh, just like you say, just a blank spot for that so year. Just no champion. A, just it's like, championship. it's like a
5: strike year. It's like a strike year. Okay, well, instead like of college football, like what happened with my alma mater USC for the 2004 right. national championship. I don't know what uh, where the BCS just vacated, which by the way I think is bullshit because that thing came down to they said Reggie Bush shouldn't have been eligible to play in the game. And anybody who watched the game, does anybody really think Oklahoma would have won if Reggie Bush hadn't participated in that game? Right. Yeah. The answer is no. USC fucking annihilated Oklahoma. It was as one sided as a heart attack. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I understand them. The
3: Greg, I totally get your point on that, and I do understand and respect that my issue isn't again, not as a fan, I don't want that title in that manner, but again, a title is handed out. Do mm-hmm. you just take the title away and like disappears? It just mm-hmm. goes away. I get it. I understand. It's tough. And I would put it out there and just say, well, then okay, if they don't get the World Series title, which again, I don't want to win the title that way, but I think our team played seriously their hearts out. That was the year that we had the, what, the 15 hour... Game or 15-inning game that went all night, wasn't that the... That was
0: 2018, actually. That was the next year. That was Boston. But they both had one that both went into multiple... So you're in- there, was a, there was a long one in Houston. There game game 5 in so Houston was yeah. back and forth for th- 12 or 13 innings and uh, one of the most exciting World Series games ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so
3: to look back and say that, and again, I get it. I don't want the title this way. I want them to play and earn that title... But I still think they went in and earned what they did for that entire year, including the next year when mm-hmm. they played against uh, Boston. Yeah. So I, it's tough. It's I want to say I don't want to say, yeah, I need it. I need to have that title. I don't need it that way. But I wish that
0: the MLB would do something about it. Well, do- I, I, I'm on the side of uh, and I don't disagree. I, I think that. The Dodgers should not be awarded the title, but okay. the Astros should be should vacate the title and there should yeah. be an asterisk and they should. So my thing is, I love going to Dodger Stadium and walking up and looking at all the World Series trophies, and right. all the Cy Young Awards and like all of that. And yeah. I don't want the 2017 trophy sitting in Minute Maid Park. They do not deserve it. Yeah. They cheated their way into that. Send it back to MLB and let it sit in some museum. Send it to the Hall of Fame. The trophy that that that's never was. Point. That's a something. good
5: point. Both you and Greg have a good point on that. I, I that that's an interesting idea. This this trophy sits here because it can't. We we don't know who it actually should go for, and we will never know who that's it should right. actually belong to. Fair right. point. Yeah. yeah. As
4: as not a sports guy, I want to say you know Scott, you're saying you don't want to win it that way, but do you really want to lose it that way either?
3: Well, no, and that's yeah. why my punishment thing is you're right, but it's it sucks because knowing if if the if the ball was in the other glove, mm-hmm. you know they'd be screaming, you know there would be a whole bunch of people out there and the Houston fans and such. But I I had the, the reason this gets personal, Dave, and I know you brought this up is I have a lot of friends in Houston that were really excited about that, mm. and. It was a very emotional thing. That
0: was also the year. If you remember, Houston had just gotten hammered hammered by a tornado. The floods and everything. The the whole city was underwater. Right. And the Astros doing well really brought that city together. So we got hammered on a personal level because it's sports and we
3: get back and forth. And, yeah, there's something going on. Yeah. Some activity here. Um, But my issue with that is I get it. There was a need for it to happen. But now, what a letdown. Now these fans of the Dodgers and the, and the Astros are at each other, and there's this big controversy happening. How do the fans feel about
0: the fact that their team cheated? Yeah, what do you say to your 10-year-old Yeah. that you took to the World Series? And, yeah. You know, Well, they cheated, son. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw some stuff on social media with Astros fans that I went back and forth with one that was like, oh, the Astros shouldn't have to vacate anything, and, you know... This isn't this isn't you know definitive proof, and right. I'm just a fan, and just let them have their fun, and it was a great year, and I'm just like, no, no. it's not real, it's no. fake, it's fake. You're a paper champion.
5: Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for bringing it up, Dave. Yeah. Woo. Well, I, I no, I wanted to I wanted to talk about it a little because I wasn't yeah. I I didn't think I was getting the full flavor from you guys on a, a text message thread. Yeah. yeah. So I appreciate the audience for indulging me in particular to. Mm. Have this kind of a meaningful talk with my friends about something that's that's dear to them. Yeah.
0: Thank it's, you. I appreciate that, man. It's going to be a story we follow for a while. I can tell, I can tell you that. Yeah, we'll
5: it's not over yet.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's still there's still the Boston half of this investigation going on, like we mentioned before. So we'll talk. We'll,
5: yeah. Oh, that's true. I I, I will say I hope that Major League Baseball listens to what's out there, and comes back and and does do some form of discipline against the players who were involved i think they still have an opportunity to do that and i hope they listen to what the world is telling them yeah yeah
0: i we do we should do a a baseball centric podcast because i i want to circle back to the pete rose thing because i have a strong opinion about that too but uh uh well it's are you pro or
3: con Pete rose well, how many people have been banned? Pete Rose? <clears> not
0: many, but I think he Shoeless, should be banned for a live show. We was, could do a
2: whole, do a whole the, podcast on Shoeless
5: Joe. The, the Shoeless 1918
2: Joe. White Sox? I mean,
0: yeah, Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, and uh, real quick, and a shout-out to all my Houston fans that I upset because the, the <laughs> night this all came down, I, I put a little post out there that was a little irritating to some fans oh, about watching. Rubbed them, wrong,
0: rubbed them the wrong way? Well,
3: or, I, I put a thing out there saying, in, in light of the news,
5: I'm going to be watching eight men out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> in tribute of houston i'm like that was, i'm sorry
0: that, that was
5: that was well played I'm, yeah. I'm sorry houston fans but that was well played yeah. good good times
0: well if you're a dodger <laughs> fan and pissed off about what happened in 2017 call us and let us know how you're feeling on the wretched hive hotline that's five six two four five five four four eight three that's five six two four five five hive that's H-I-V-E In case you can't spell hive You're goddamn right And you can also find us online at TheWretchedHive.net You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com Forward slash Podcast. We love you Facebook
1: Do it, do it, do it, do
0: it, do it, <laughs> <You know me. laughs> do it, do it, do it uh, You do it. can uh, tweet. Jesus Christ, would you two like to be alone? You can tweet <laughs> at WretchedHivePod You can uh, find us on Instagram WretchedHive77, you can email to show at net. find us on Podchaser, on TuneIn Radio, I think I mentioned that last time um, and of course Apple Podcasts um, alright, so let's see, do I have anything oh, did, did want to mention uh, we are starting a new podcast, coming up soon, look for it in the next Month or two. I'm going to be talking about it on the show as we roll out. As some of my co hosts on this show are going to be on the Either Or podcast with our good friend Chris Evans. And uh, he and I are launching the show, Smart Talk About Trivial Things. And the first episode is Chris defending dogs against Dave defending cats. Dogs versus cats in episode this is, this one. Is, it's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a,
5: it's going to be a short fucking show. I promise you that right now. <laughs> gonna be a lot of fun can't
0: wait for that episode Dave's excited I can tell I can hear it
5: shaking I'm shaking in my boots over here
0: (laughs) (laughs) guys we have a ton of news to get to so um we're gonna go ahead and if I can find my clip oh here it is let's get started with the news here we go from ABC News World Headquarters this is ABC World
1: News Tonight
0: No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the wretched hive. So be it. I know what that dinging is. That pitting. Yeah. That's Yeah. Chris- I know, I know Chris- what it is too. That's it's Christine Holka. Christine Holka and Lisa Baldwin on Facebook Messenger, and it's coming up on my browser. What the hell? What is wrong with these ladies being friends and stuff Dave, during our
3: keep show? keep your woman in check, man, with this Facebook nonsense. What's going on yeah. over there? Right, right, right. As
5: soon as you keep yours in check, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> let's let's go back and check. Suddenly, that out. Uh,
0: suddenly Scott is changing the subject. <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, because
3: mine's Italian. I just
0: lose kneecaps. There you go. Hey now, hey now. That's hey awesome. now. <laughs> guys! The Clone War season seven. Oh hell's yeah! Is arriving, <laughs> and the trailer looks amazing. Yeah, uh, I think the byline for the trailer is Star Wars. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Gotta get ready. <laughs> I'm really having a hard time Finding my sound effects I gotta recolor them Where's my little There it is uh, It's Star Wars The Clone Wars Were better than The Rise of Skywalker oh. That's I think that's what They're calling I think Season, so. I think season so. 7 I saw some Darth it, Maul 52% there. of yeah, people agree Apparently on Rotten Woo. Tomatoes We'll get to that I heard about that um, Go check out the trailer It's really good I've got a little bit Of a clip here This is from uh, YouTube.com Uh Star Wars, the Clone Wars official okay. trailer for season seven. Have a listen.
5: Sounds great. Zip it. <laughs> Everybody get really close. <laughs> pew, so pew, so pew, me. pew. I,
1: I'm a Star an
0: Okay, now once it starts <laughs> <laughs> stop being idiots. Okay, Snips. <laughs>
1: Soon, the galaxy will be remade. The Jedi and Republic
0: will die. Ooh, and that was Darth Maul there. Right when I heard it, I'm like, oh, that's Maul. That's Darth Maul. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah! It looks so good. Go check it out. Star Wars: The Clone Wars the official trailer for season seven online at StarWars.com and YouTube check streaming. So as we as
2: we record right. here on uh, on January the twenty second is our recording day here. I have yes. I have heard that if you watch four episodes a day, mm. you will be caught up by the time it premieres on February the twenty first.
0: Every single day, four four episodes of the Clone Wars. That's pretty four easy. episodes a day. So
2: listening 20... on Friday, you're a little bit behind. You got to catch up a little bit, but mm. yeah, you four slackers. episodes a day, you'll so be all caught up. So it's
0: roughly so, an hour and twenty minutes a day of Clone Wars. Yeah,
5: yeah. you can do and, it. and if yeah. you want, and if you want to do it pro, you have to go to the internet and watch the episodes in chronological order, not in air date order. Because I was say. A,
4: it's like way fucked up isn't it isn't like season three chronologically before
5: season one well it's not quite that bad but i do think there are episodes in season four that that take place before Mm. episode one season one episode one right like it's very all over the place until like season five and six it kind of calms the hell down and is just going with it like a regular tv show Okay. Uh, but there's definitely I, internet uh,
4: help in figuring out the chronological order of
0: it all. I think you got tried this. I just
2: want to watch yep. the show from beginning to end, guys. I don't want to have to fucking do math or any shit to get this thing done going here yeah, just, I was
0: re- for that. just real quick on tbline.com uh, quote it is the final season supervising director Dave Filoni previously told EW it will conclude the story that George Lucas and I started together he goes on to say I wrote and directed the final four episodes it's the end of something I feel really good about um, and if the trailer is any indication it's uh, it, looks, it looks great
3: it looks fantastic yeah. and uh, Greg I, math is hard but I am going to try this because I have seen the entire show as it aired so i'm going to try the chronological order situation wish me luck. i have
2: not seen any of the show so if i can squeeze in
5: four episodes a day which is highly unlikely mm. but You're, you know what i greg <laughs> i have faith in you first of all i have yeah. more faith in you than you have in yourself
2: yeah four episodes a day of the clone wars which let's be honest guys started off extremely poorly i got about 20 minutes into that movie and i was like Fuck this.
5: <laughs> I told you it's the worst Star Wars product ever, but I've I've watched the whole show, and I will say it does get better. The first season is pretty rocky, no lie, but yeah. it, it stabilizes around the second season, and by the time you're in seasons like four and five, it is some damn yeah. good Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Well, and you're getting information in
0: that show about the origin of the Force, um, what it means to be a Jedi, and why the Jedi exist I mean, there are some great arcs. You get a dark Yoda arc. Yeah. Um, the Mortis trilogy in season three is as absolutely must-viewing for Star Wars fans. There's a lot to mine there for Star you get Wars. Yeah, the, uh, the,
2: the origin story of the dark saber, so you can find out what the hell—that's right. Uh, Moff Gideon was waving around there at the end of right. Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. Previsla
0: waving that
5: thing around. Can't wait. Yeah. But yeah. Stuff. Clone Wars does give you one of the best star wars characters probably of the last 20 years in ahsoka yeah c3po yeah. there Not was ahsoka. some
0: there was some t- <laughs> there was some talk about that ahsoka oh, C-3-P-O. <laughs> that As- <laughs> c3po is the best character in star wars he did is, just he just say that out loud he did <laughs> um <laughs> uh there was some talk about ahsoka being uh in the rise of skywalker like a she glimpse is. Well, she is i haven't okay i haven't seen this Oh, no, she's... it's
2: it's she's one of the voices of right. the Jedi. It's oh, very, just yeah. the voice.
0: She's okay, voice. Yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: Same right. with Ewan McGregor. Same with uh, same with uh, Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Same with mm-hmm. Liam Neeson.
5: Yeah.
2: Um, Freddie Prinz is one of them.
5: Yeah. yeah same with Liam Liam Neeson's cock. Liam Neeson's <laughs>
3: wow. cock is one of them. Really? It's so big, it's its own Jedi. That's great. <laughs> yes.
0: It <is. laughs> it's so big, it's its own. Jedi. <laughs> So it does I took a. Not make any sense at all. you I, You're welcome, I, Kevin I Smith. may have taken a screenshot <laughs> of the scene of Liam of, of the credi- cock. Of, of Liam's cock of the um, voices of Ooh. Jedi past is the is the credits here and yeah. uh, the Rise of Skywalker. We've got Anakin, we've got Luminara Aduli. Yeah, we've oh, got. He did good work. Ahsoka, <laughs> uh, Ayla Secura, Ayla. Yeah, ooh, she's the blue one, right? Beautiful blue. God, is yeah. she the hot little twilight one? Yes. Well, Luminary played by the lovely Jennifer
5: Hale. Ooh boy,
0: was she the one who played her originally?
5: We delicioso. Guys, are huh. getting into a creepy zone. I'm not going to lie. Sorry, Mace yeah.
0: Windu, Obi Wan Kenobi, Yoda, Adi Gallia, yeah, uh, Kanan. By, uh, voiced by uh voice by uh Freddie Prince Jr. That's, from um yeah, da, da, yeah. Da, da, da rebels and rebels. and
5: self proclaimed Star Wars expert yes. Freddie Prince Jr. That's right. I forgot about that.
0: That ran and Qui Gon, Qui Gon Yeah, and uh, this is great. They've got Obi Wan Kenobi credited to, Ewan McGregor and Alec, Alec Guinness. Guinness. Very cool. They had a nice split on that. Yeah.
3: That was great. There
0: you go. Um, yeah, Luminara is uh, she
3: had a great arc in the original Clone Wars uh animated series um the gendi stuff mm. um oh yeah that was when they talked about going to Ilum where had <clears throat> which was where the uh the crystals were okay for oh. the uh I'm losing it for something. For something, you need beverage for the
0: dodger I do. <laughs> Your energy is it is.
3: It has been that type of week. Okay, they, they I've literally just had a for the
2: a thing to do the stuff. <laughs> you know, the crystally thing, <laughs> thing for the thing for the.
3: Dave just drained my energy with his Dodger talk, and then all of a sudden, <gasps> like it just reminded me of this argument I had with somebody for two days now over a roller coaster and Disney. I'm like, I'm done
0: at this point. Mm. I'm so all I, right. Yeah, I need I need a bottle. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about Rise of the Resistance. Let's yes. All right, because I know you went. Which on roller
2: that. coaster were you arguing about? Now I'm now I'm curious. Which roller coaster were you arguing about?
3: The
0: Cyclone Racer.
3: That's not at Disneyland, though. No, I know. It's about a comparison That's... between that and Rise of the Resistance. It's, oh, okay. It's ridiculous, but it's all right.
2: Well, Thanks. one's a roller coaster, one's like a a uh and like, one's not. Yeah, and one's yeah, not a roller coaster. I know. Yeah,
0: it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Apparently, both um, difference of opinions. That's all it is. Neither one are working Stop, I... <laughs> very frequently.
2: Oh, it's right. Wow. breaking down a lot? Are yeah. they having
0: technical yeah. oh, yeah. f- we've got a story about it. Yep. Oh, yeah.
5: Yeah. It's good, oh, s- good okay. stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Let's move it's, on, guys. It's about as dependable as Lindsay Lohan pre, you know, <laughs>
0: You don't have to finish that. We'll just give you the rim shot for Yeah, that. yeah, yeah.
5: Uh,
2: all right. Why um, does Christine duck down as she's walking by behind you, though? That's what I want to know. It's like she's trying to keep out of the shot, but ducking down just makes it worse.
3: <laughs> she, she's going down to sniff <laughs> his butt. Maybe, maybe she did some <laughs> cartwheels, put on a clown outfit. She,
5: she's still emotionally scarred from the salad spinner incident, uh. <laughs> and she, she lives in terror of disrupting the podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: We've been talking about the salad spinner for two and a half years, so I, I can't blame her. Um, all right, guys, we have to get in to the rise of Skywalker. This uh, this little movie called Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, guys, billion
2: dollar movie, right? This yeah, week, past
0: the billion dollar mark, uh, guys. It has the lowest, the franchise's lowest Rotten Tomatoes score, although it has passed the the billion dollar mark. It now has the lowest score on Rotten Tomatoes of all the Star Wars movies. It's got 52% positive reviews. This is as of uh, January 19th. This is a couple days ago as we record the show. Um, Just barely edging out at the time, the 1999 prequel, The Phantom Menace. This uh, reading here according to Yahoo.com.
2: Rise of Skywalker, not my favorite Star Wars movie, but in a world where attack of the clones exists, that is just horrific. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, we also do have to acknowledge uh, that it, while it did pass the billion dollar mark relatively quickly, big opening weekend, $175 million opening weekend, uh, four weeks later, According to ComicBook.com, um, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker dropped from 1,200 theaters across the country, and that's the fastest that that many theaters have dropped a Star Wars film uh, in the history of Star Wars movies. Uh, let's see, the film ranked in, uh, raked in 175 million in uh, its opening weekend, making it the 12th biggest domestic opening weekend ever. So, big. Not bad. Big weekend. Not bad. Since then, however, the film has seen sharp declines week over week. Last week, the film saw the worst fourth weekend drop of any Star Wars film to date. The result is less a steady decline, as seen in films like Jumanji The Next Level, and more of a free fall as the weeks in theater wear on. Uh, So this all begins to beg a question and I want to sort of make this the focus of our ongoing rise of Skywalker review is star Wars headed for a big makeover now that we're done with the Skywalker saga with the Mandalorian having been such a huge smashing success. Uh, and really infiltrating pop culture almost everywhere, as evidenced by Greg's shirt tonight. Um, A few articles that I read, I, I don't have them in front of me, but a few that I read in prep for the show were talking about how we're living in a culture nowadays where there's so much entertainment. You're, you, you, Movie companies and uh, uh organizations like Lucasfilm and Disney can't expect you know a 50 week stint in the box office. You're going to have to hit big and then move on with the next thing. And so the theory is that we're going to get a lot of little hits moving forward now with like Mandalorian and a focus on streaming and side sort of stories um rather than these big sort of trilogy, tentpole summertime movies. And so I kind of want to put it to the group. Is Star Wars heading for sort of like a reset in the wake of what some are calling a failure for this last film? If this is a failure,
3: it's the biggest failure I've ever seen, ever.
5: Yeah, no. Let me let me jump Task in and echo that real quick, Scott. Like, it, it people who say that this movie is a failure because it opened with 175 million dollars at the box office. It's like I, our standards might actually be getting a little high. It's literally the fourth, I think, highest gross, third highest grossing movie at this point to come out in 2019. And because it's not the number one highest grossing movie, it's it's a failure. I mean i'm not a huge fan of the rise of skywalker to echo greg not my favorite star wars film but get over your shit people i mean for real get over it yes there are going to be changes made but it's not a failure
0: well maybe the the term failure is too incendiary i mean maybe it's a disappointment is disappointment fair
3: I think it's fair on on our level as fans, as some of the critics and stuff. But but, okay, let's let's talk. Let's just back this up. About what two years ago, Mm -hmm. when Han Solo was released, and we were talking about that not being a failure. Let's now do the comparison. That was a failure. (laughs) compared it, to Rise of Skywalker.
5: Yes, I I would agree that Solo can be viewed as should be viewed as a failure in the Star Wars franchise, but I will also say if you grade that movie on a curve, it shouldn't be a failure cuz it should have it should have done way worse than it did and it should have been way worse of a movie than it was. Mm. Yeah, but that's what Just, I'm saying. The point is yeah. is
3: comparison if you're talking box office returns I mean that's what I'm looking at right here I, it's one of the lowest if not the lowest Star Wars film minus the Clone Wars animated uh, movie mm-hmm. to to have a box office that low I mean it's, it's insane this I don't think is a failure I think it's it's a disappointment mm-hmm. in an ongoing split in the fandom mm-hmm. I mean I had a lot of issues with Last Jedi and uh, we've argued that over and over again but mm-hmm there is a side that because of that split, that's going to divide a fan base and that's going to, your returns are going to be even less for the next movie coming out. Uh, Even if you want to see that movie or that trilogy finalized and fit or finished off, I think that's going to cause some of these problems if that's what you want to call it. But I don't see what $1.1 billion a problem. And don't get me wrong. Will there be changes? Of course, as much as I, credit disney to a lot of things and i get on disney's case about many more things Mm -hmm. that's disney's business mo they're gonna make a change i mean why are they redoing all of their animated films in live action because they're gonna make another 47 billion dollars off of it they're gonna make a change Mm -hmm. it's a franchise they're gonna market the hell out of it they're gonna do the streaming thing mandalorian's a huge hit we got Mm -hmm. cassian and Andor series coming out there's talks of other shows and a new trilogy that's not going to turn that trilogy away. I mean, I still think that trilogy is going to be coming out. It's, um, you,
0: mind, you mean the new Ryan Johnson trilogy? The Ryan Johnson trilogy. Mm-hmm. I know. Okay.
3: This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the Wretched Hive Podcast.
2: You know, I have a little bit of a different take on this because when Disney acquired Lucasfilm, I think they wanted, you know, MCU 2.0 is what they wanted. They got a blockbuster movie franchise and they wanted to make blockbuster movie franchise or blockbuster movies out of this franchise. And I think they're obviously successful. They're making a ton of money. They're doing just fine, but they're not there's not the buzz that's there for the MCU movies. You know, obviously Endgame biggest movie on the planet, but the way they structure their series, you know, the phases if you will, it, it, it's a lot of one-off movies in a row. It's not really the same story continued movie after movie after movie. You get a movie, and then you introduce to somebody else, and you introduce somebody else, and then you come back to the character that you saw before. So there's a lot of there's a lot more variety with the Marvel characters, and I think where you get the more interesting production, as has as we've seen and as shown, is like Scott said, on the movie side. Yes, there's a lot of division. But on the TV side with Mandalorian,
4: mm-hmm.
2: universal praise. Mm-hmm. Universal praise. And that's where I think Star Wars is going to be successful. If they can, if they have done, they have knocked it out of the park with Mandalorian. If they can do as good with Obi-Wan, if they can do as good with Cassian Andor, you know, all the fans are going to be there and completely 100% supportive just like they are with Mandalorian and you'll see none of this
5: shit like you see with the movies so so here's something else I just want to throw out there so I think a problem that exists right now is that there is there's a legitimate franchise fatigue that's out there in cinema Hmm. the studios have been careening towards finding these big tent pull projects and investing heavily in those and you don't see any of the the variety or independence that you used to you know 20 years ago I'm reading a, a great great book right now called best movie year ever about 1999 and just i'm listing and these aren't even all the great movies that came out in 1999 but these are just movies that they're talking about in this book the blair witch project the following go run lola run office space the matrix varsity blues she's all that cruel intentions 10 things i hate about you american pie election rushmore the virgin suicide iron giant galaxy quest eyes wide shut the mummy the sixth sense I'm not even halfway through all of the chapters in the book. And I don't think you get that kind of variety of films anymore on the big screen. You get that variety on the small screen, through the streaming services, through mm-hmm. even through the networks still. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Greg, that's where the action is, and that's why they can have the success. Star Wars, at the end of the day, it's a, a space opera. It's a space fantasy. That's what every film is. Marvel they can switch up the genres a little bit. Yes, it's a superhero movie, but that's a little bit of a disguise. You have you know, romantic comedies with Ant-Man and the Wasp. You have political thrillers with Captain America Winter Soldier. They can play up the genres a bit within superhero, whereas Star Wars is always the space fantasy. Even with Pixar, I would argue, and I think the Pixar model is more analogous to what they're, what they're getting with Star Wars than Marvel in terms of the product output. Yeah, Even agree, the Pixar Dave. stuff yeah. is a little different from yeah. film to film every year. Mm-hmm. do we want something different than a space opera? I, I, and I don't know that we do. I'm just saying that's, that's a challenge. Yeah. And I think they can address it better on TV where you have a show like the Mandalorian, which is a spaghetti Western or lone wolf and cub in space, mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to the space opera that a star Wars film is inherently always expected to be.
1: Yeah. Dave, I, Dave
3: kind of hit on my point. I was going to jump in on, uh, yeah, sorry. No, no, I think that's great. Um, but my my issue is, it's Star Wars. It's not Marvel. Marvel Comics and Dave and Greg and all of us that have read all these know that you were talking about a vast blanket of stories to draw from. And Star Wars was basically the isolated story of this saga, the Skywalker saga. And and they're touting this as the end of this, uh, you know, the Skywalker mm-hmm. saga. Mm-hmm. That's great, but now they have to do something to make it interesting. Mandalorian shows where that can go, and I really love what they did with that. Uh, it didn't stray too far, but far enough to give us a different feel, like Dave was saying, the Spaghetti Western, the Lone Cub, and Wolf story in space is great uh, for what we've, we've seen in the past. It also brings us back to some of the things that we love. Rogue One, I think we all pretty much universal universally love. I'm so glad that. you brought that up but let's let's talk about that that was a raw gritty dark film which really mirrored
0: a lot of the original ideas from the original trilogy and fits in the timeline
5: and fits in the timeline so Here's, in that way it is sort of like a marvel right rogue, side yes. project rogue, film rogue one is the old, rogue one is the project that showed what they could do with films right mm-hmm. and okay. they haven't they haven't figured out how to replicate you know telling kind of a different genre within the confines of the Star Wars universe. If they do, I think a lot of doors open to them. So many people have asked me this question
3: off the show when we talk about this. I have friends we discuss outside of here about Star Wars and Marvel and pop culture and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. it's great because I like to bring that feedback back here and talk about that, uh, bringing it to the show. And one of the things about Marvel is, honestly, somebody said to me, don't you feel Marvel burnout, superhero burnout? I'm like, burnout for superheroes, maybe a little bit, but you guys pointed out a great concept you can do political thrillers you can have the romantic comedies marvel storylines have a tendency to have that scattered through their entire universe and i'm not being dramatic for dramatics case seriously go look at how many thousands and thousands of comics from marvel are out there that they haven't even hit on there are stories that seriously they can be telling these for another 23 56, 84 movies and I Mm -hmm. don't think I would get burned out on them. It's a soap opera. I used to love this show back in the the 80s uh, called Robotech. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wonderful story. uh, uh, Kind of a manga, whatever you call it. Manga style. uh, Japanese animation. And it was just wonderfully told because it was a soap opera. There's a ton of story and uh, character development and you get involved and that's what I feel about Marvel I don't feel like everyone's just a superhero and that's it it's real life people real life characters that you connect with and I think they need to find that with Star Wars and you're seeing that with Mandalorian Mandalorian is great like it really has this appeal of this like you're in the Star Wars world it's the same concept of uh, Rise of uh, the Resistance the ride It makes you feel like you're part of something bigger. It's just told differently. I love the Western idea. It's just great. Uh, I think if they follow this trend, they're going in the right direction. Movies,
0: we'll have to see where that goes. So is Kathleen Kennedy the one to take us there? And has she done a good job shepherding the Star Wars (laughs) um, catalog? Nico, why, why are you saying no?
4: I mean, obviously, you see two Disney entities um, side by side: Disney and, or not Disney, uh, Marvel and Star Wars, both um, with these grandiose plans of, you know, making big stories and continuing sagas and and bringing certain things to an end. And one of them is grossly more successful than the other. And I. 100 percent think that it is to do with the kind of overall projection of what that saga is supposed to be and that's in the showrunners you know sort of uh mm-hmm. to, to, th- that's to, their job that's what they're supposed to be doing to, to, um, to dave
2: to dave and scott's point though you say that one is grossly more successful Together the other and yes the mcu is as much more valuable as a property right now than star wars is but you can't say that star wars for disney in the period that they had that they acquired them has not been successful because it has
4: has it been an a plus have have no to look at-
2: but it's not it's not a c either
4: you also have to look at what was their purchase price. The purchase price was four billion. What did we just look at? Was that they just reached in the last year five billion, right, it, Dave?
5: It, yeah, it, but it, in some fairness, and I and I, I don't but, want to entirely disagree, but a difference between Star Wars and Marvel. Marvel has volumetrically put out more product. Yes. In the in the same in the comparable time but frame, also, than Star Wars has.
4: Well, okay. How long has Disney owned Marvel?
5: Uh, since I want to say 2010, 12? 2010. And how
4: long have they owned Disney?
5: 2012. 2012.
4: Okay, so about the same time.
5: But more, but much more product. Star Wars has released yeah. five movies. Okay, since and Disney purchased it, and Marvel and released so five movies. More, I think since we started this podcast. Much more product, and who would
4: decide what product is to put out and when it's to be put out? Is that not the showrunner's job to decide that, hey, uh, maybe we should put out some product right now?
0: Is Kathleen Kennedy the showrunner, though? See, this is what I think the difference is with Marvel and and Star Wars, or one of the differences is that faggy really, I think he actually is functioning as a showrunner for the entire series. I don't know that Kathleen Kennedy, I don't think Star Wars has a
5: showrunner. As evidenced by that there hasn't been a plan. Well, it, it they don't have they don't have as strong or six or someone at least who projects as strong and successful a showrunner as Kevin Feige did, because yeah. I don't think anybody can argue that Star Wars has been chaotic over the entire time. I mean, how many movies actually hit their release date for whatever reason? The original announced release date? I think only one of the six did, right? Boba Fett got cancelled. Solo actually hit its announced release date, which was the most screwed up film of all, so it's ironic, but the other four movies got delayed. They were all originally supposed to be May releases, and they all wound up being late-year releases because of how chaotic the production was. But
0: you had I, Colin Trevorrow getting fired. You had... Colin Trevorrow got uh, fired. Lord,
3: Phil, Lord, Lord Miller Lord got Miller. fired. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, but but that falls back on,
0: and I'm going to argue two points
3: on this, uh, one for the bad, and that's Kathleen Kenny is the showrunner. She took over for Lucasfilm. That was part of the package deal with Disney. Mm. She is the She's Kevin the president of Lucasfilm. Yeah. She is the yeah.
0: Kevin Feige of And Lucasfilm. Feige is the equivalent at Marvel. He's the president he, he, of Marvel. Right. It's yeah. So, he's the
5: closest equivalent
0: there.
3: Right. So my issue is is I think the way that she handled it was not good. I think that I think the way that she she didn't have the the over the vision like Feige has with Marvel. Now that's a bigger property. I don't know his, like exactly. how far, how far back he goes now. The problem with that is she said a lot of stuff in the initial purchase package. There were mm-hmm. interviews that I had a lot of issue I took issue with on this show. She said a lot of things that upset me as a fan of Star Wars that she said to George Lucas's face and then she went and turned around and did opposite stuff. That's where I would hold her accountable for it. I don't think she's a terrible person. My god, look at her resume. She's we've talked about that. She's produced what? 50 freaking amazing oh, movies. Her resume is unbelievable. So, yeah. It's not that I think she's just a bad producer I think the way you could be a really good producer but you might
0: not have the best management skills for this entire company or maybe you're just not wrong for this you're just not right for this particular franchise right when you're sitting on John Favreau and Dave Filoni and these guys that yeah. are making and I'm not just saying this because of the Mandalorian success which is fantastic but you know we've been talking about Filoni for three years
5: after well, in his particular, work you've been talking about Filoni. Yeah. Well, yeah, he should be the showrunner. Well, for what I'm going to throw Wars. out there for that is just because someone is a successful producer, which Kathleen Kennedy unquestionably is, right. it doesn't mean that you're able to translate that to being a showrunner for the entire studio and the franchise. Are and we sure, I would be
4: Are we sure that it's Filoni? Uh, I don't think
5: I don't think it is Feloni. I just because I don't think I don't know that he has the experience or chops to take over something that's this mix of animated TV, live action TV, and feature filmmaking. Feloni's proven he can do animated very well. That doesn't mean that you can oversee all aspects of it successfully
0: but in terms of his being able to dictate the storylines and what gets made next but, and who does it i think Filoni can do that
3: yeah but he, he he had lucas's ear when lucas was there he was the chosen one but i've been singing this song for years but lucas is there as now basically a guest who comes in and, and has you know smiles and says wow this this looks great or makes this... the
5: director feel
0: uncomfortable
3: right, right that kind of stuff <laughs> right.
5: and but, but when he which, was which actually is awesome you can't put a price on that, <laughs> <I love> that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh,
3: does that mean he can take the reins? I I mean, yeah. I'm not I'm not shunning this guy. I think we should give him a chance. What? My problem
0: what? is is fix the fix the Kathleen problem in the room I, I, right now. I hate now. to say this, but could it be going worse? I guess it could be. But I I so this is where I land with this. I, episode 9 is a fine movie. It's a B to me. This is the end of the saga yeah. that defined my childhood. Yeah. All right. And it's fucked up. I'm sorry. It should have soared off at the end and been the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. And it was not. And and it was not because of not in something that J.J. Abrams did in 2018 when he was filming it. It starts six years ago when you make a plan and where are you going. Sure. And this is what Marvel has done so well. You guys... Marvel experts on the show, you talk about how there is these phases and they've got these phases mapped out. Yeah. They've
5: got the next 10 Marvel films mapped out. Yeah. They don't have I, that for Star Wars and they no, never have. No, I've, I've I've said that extensively a couple yeah. of times on the show that Marvel's yes. very good at hey, you know, we need to bring you in to tell a Black Panther story and we need you to do these three things. We're not, yeah. We don't really care how you do it, but we need these three things to happen, and you can't do these three things over here because we're reserving that for something else. Hey,
3: and that's yeah. not to but say that Marvel— and, d- go and
5: make a great movie with those as your only conditions. Right? And,
3: and that's not to say that Marvel hasn't had their fair share of problems with directors or actors in the past, but they handle it better. better mm-hmm. And I think— what Kathleen was trying to do was even mimic what
0: Feige was doing with it, and I just don't think she had yeah. the scope or the vision yeah. to do that. So I'm not advocating for anyone to lose their job. I don't want to lose Kathleen Kennedy. I think she's a genius. She is a legitimate genius. This is in where I want to argue in, the other with, side of the Kathleen problem. Okay, with her production. Well, hold on. Let me. Finish. I just think she she needs someone who is a Star Wars fan who grew up with it, like a Felony, like a Favro. Now let's bring him into the into the conversation. The, I would and to,
4: love John Favreau as the showrunner for be a the entirety of Star Wars
0: to be the showrunner for Star Wars report to Kennedy work together whatever but you have a high level consultant work with um, Doug Chang and the art, art group and what's his name that runs the story group that's all over Twitter yeah um, I can't think of his name right now. Oh, yeah. but the, the maybe, sto- maybe,
5: you know. maybe Hidalgo needs to spend more time working on the story group and less time on Twitter. I'm just going to throw that out there, that's, too. That's, Pablo, that's it. Yeah. Pablo
0: Hidalgo. You work with those guys, but there's got to be one guy in charge of it all, like Faggy is for Marvel, and to me that's Dave Filoni or John Favreau. Okay, I'm going to jump Scott in on this, this because
3: Nico said something, and Nico, I apologize. Right now, I am saying this not just to argue because we always argue about things, but I disagree with the Favreau thing, not because it's you or Steve that have brought this up, or the Filoni thing. I think both of those guys would be great as like a second-level assistance to the showrunners, people that could keep things running almost like top-tier managers. It's going to be the showrunner? I got it right here. They're already bringing Feige in to do a trilogy. Why not have him be a co-showrunner <clears throat> with Kathleen and get her back on track, I don't want to lose her. I think she has a lot of influence with the Lucas and the Spielbergs and all the people she's worked with in the past. But I just think she lost sight of the vision once that transfer happened from Lucasfilm over to
0: Disney. Did we talk about that? That Feggy is—he's—he's uh, he's doing one movie, penning a movie. Oh, I thought he was doing a trilogy. Yeah,
5: he's doing one movie that's announced so far.
0: Okay, and is that—is that a done deal? He's actually writing yes. a. Okay. Yeah.
5: Oh, it's been announced that he's like producing okay. or whatever, whatever you want to call it. He's developing. A Star Wars movie. So, and my personal theory on that, Scott, is that they're trying to bring him in to be a launching pad for some ideas. Yeah. And that way, if it doesn't work, it's like, oh, look, Feige did a Star Wars movie and he got to fulfill a childhood fantasy and that's great. It's here on the shelf, whatever, move on. But if it actually works out, it's suddenly, oh, here's something that we can expand on and turn into a franchise and maybe bring him back to do more.
3: Yeah, I and I get that. I know that's how business works, but you look at somebody as successful... I mean, look, okay, not don't just look at Feige, what he did with the Marvel Universe. Let's talk about the bridges he's mended with Sony. And even with the fallout of what happened last summer, it's back in their court again. Mm -hmm. This guy knows how to work with people, Mm -hmm. work with other companies. How many times in our life, Dave, seriously, Greg, when we talked about Spider-Man back in the 90s with James Cameron, did we ever think we'd see something this crazy where Spider-Man would be? Side by side with the Avengers, let alone an Avengers film. I still get goosebumps when I see the (laughs) Avengers unite that first time in the first Avengers film. I've seen that movie probably a hundred times now. But every time I see that circle shot of all five of those characters sitting there, it's fantastic. And
5: never dreamed that would ever happen in my life. The the money shot to end all money shot, but I'll go one better on that. When Spider-Man shakes hands with Doctor Strange in Infinity War... Like you, you could have bet me five figures, you know, when I was in college, that I would, I, that I would never see that, and I would be like, "You're right, I am never going to see that." Yeah.
3: All right. And w- it's
5: it's mm-hmm. such a great, great moment. Yeah. I I
3: want this. To, I want them to fix their issues. I want them to work it out. And I want them to bring in the people that can mend this issue, fix the problem, mm-hmm. and give us the Star Wars we all deserve.
0: I have one final critical question for this segment: Is it Feige or Faggy? Or Fiji or Fiji. What the hell is it?
5: I think it's the second I think. Asterisk underline think. It's the second one you said. It's Fe- Feige. Feige. No,
3: it's Feige. It's been it's already been talked about. He even said it on an interview. So if you listen back, find it, I'll find it online and send it out to you guys. All right.
5: Feige. Yeah. Somewhat, I, don't d- so, I don't doubt you, but I want to see it. Let's get okay. our crack research team fair? on that
0: right now. How about this? I have an inside source. <laughs> you can't name him. <laughs> you can name your inside source that I I can't. He 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 wonderfully he wonderfully helped me get in
3: and uh, check out this new ride that uh, Uh, you talked about. Him on the last (laughs) podcast we did together. I'm pretty sure you can say, "Oh damn Joe, I
0: just threw you under the bus, man." Sorry. So you think it's Feige? It's Feige. Feige. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. At the top of the show, I did mention that dismissed Star Wars director, writer, director Colin Trevorrow.
5: I thought we were going to talk about Josh Trank so I could finally trash that motherfucker. <laughs> oh, please. I want to hear Dave trash him.
0: <laughs> Rhymes with tomorrow.
5: Um, can, can, I, can I trash Josh Trank? Yeah, for a go ahead. That little, fuck, yeah. that little fucker reared his head a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> what did he do was, now? He was trying to be meta-commentary cute about his piece of shit Fantastic Four reboot that he did.
1: Ugh, and at no. one point,
5: he, he made a comment in his, his online commentary, like, you know, there was a good movie in there, but it just got ruined by the studio. And I'm like, what... Ugh. What are, what no-talent hack? What are, who are you trying to kid? That's like saying there's a skinny person inside every fat person trying to get out, except in the case of the Fantastic Four movie, the fat person ate the skinny person and digested it so thoroughly that archaeologists are never going to be able to find the bones. There's no fucking good picture in that movie, asshole. I think he's mad at Josh Drake. Oh, my
0: God okay hold on I gotta isolate that's pretty good that was a good rant that was a good rant 107 yeah please (laughs) please put that in a bumper or something that'd be so great that's that's uh, what was what was Dave's other one that I isolated that I've I've played on bumper so many times I love it so much oh it's the one I'd rather I'd rather I'd rather poke needles in my eyes and watch (laughs) True Detective Season (laughs) 1 festering pile of nonsense
5: (laughs) I stand by that that three years later
0: oh All right, so Colin Trevorrow, rhymes with tomorrow, um, drafted a a script for episode nine. His original draft included a scene where Kylo Ren had a moment in a forest tree-like cave where he went and he had a a full-on drawn-out lightsaber battle with his idol, Darth Vader. Yeah. Um, ended up losing that battle in the script, um, and then went on to greater things. But I, how cool would that be, though? Just Darth Vader in full on like Rogue One hallway scene mode against Kylo Ren and Adam Driver in his full on just athleticism. Yeah. I would pay to see that. That would have been. It would have been nice.
5: That that leaked Colin Trebaro's script. Like I don't know if it's bullshit or not. Yeah. Nobody's come out to say that it's bullshit. I know, which which you feel like would have happened at this point in the in the Star Wars community. Like someone would have been like, "No, that that's made up. Don't pay any attention to that." Have um, you read it, Dave? I've I've read the summaries of it, and I have to say, I actually i I think I want to see that movie. Yeah, yeah as yep. opposed to the movie that I actually got.
3: I'm with you. I, don't get me wrong. There are things in there that I had some issues with, but overall, there were some. <laughs> there were some there, there's really, some, there's some solid, solid stuff in there. There really was, like, oh, I just... the title of the the title,
0: his title for the movie. was a nice rap, nice like a, uh, uh, a callback, duel of the fates, duel of
5: the fates. See, you, you had Scott right there. Yeah. Episode yeah. 9, Duel of the Fates.
3: You know, okay, so you all know, and we've discussed this, you can talk about your favorite lightsaber battle from episode 1 as being the best part of episode 1, but yeah. you know it's the music from episode 1. Is
0: that, that your was, fa- favorite musical moment in Star Wars? It is. Duel of the Fates is amazing. Top 5. It's definitely top 5. Well, that would be a good high five. Yeah. Just top 5 musical moments in Star Wars. Yeah. We Duel of the Fates is one. amazing. Yeah. It's a good one. All right, guys, we've got a couple stories to uh, to wrap up the show here. Uh, there's a new ride at Disneyland. I heard about it. And uh, Scott and oh I have both. Did they
5: step up the teacups finally? <laughs> <And they laughs> did. Are people
4: riding it? Are they
5: like, going on and yeah. enjoying it? Are people actually able to get on? Does it just break down and eat the guests like Jurassic Park? Well, so Scott, <laughs> Scott and I have both been on it.
0: Um, Scott went on a preview day, and if you want to hear all about Um, Scott's experience We spent an hour Talking about it And did a mini episode A couple episodes uh, ago Yeah that um, a lot of people a lot of people downloaded that episode um, learning about the ride we released it the day before the actual release to the public I am going to have to put some comments
3: and some retractions on there I realized in my excitement in that review I got a couple things wrong on the ride
0: descriptions but that's all right, nah, was, that's all right. Was, you were uh, close that's was okay amazing. that's okay Yeah cuz I went the next day I I went on Saturday the day after the actual grand opening to the public and uh, I was like what weird waterfall thing. I like. I, it didn't make any sense to me what you said. The, the, the beginning in the queue. Oh, and I know. There's a waterfall that has I what, saw what looks like an endless hole that it just keeps it's going. It's just water. <laughs> it's the <laughs> backside know. of water. It's the backside <laughs> of water. Um. So when I was there, uh, we lucked out and got in at 8, eight o'clock and 10 seconds, had our boarding pass and got in. No downtime at all. It was great. It was first thing in the morning. We had a great time. <laughs> so uh, Scott's experience was a little bit different. You were waiting in line for a while. There was a breakdown. Yeah. And you had to come back later in the afternoon.
3: Now, I wasn't in line. I was waiting uh, okay. with, my, with my group number. But it had broken down twice in that wait period. Okay, And then it had broken down again when I came back later that day to ride it. Yeah, uh, I had to leave the park. I came back. My group was still in the wait queue mm-hmm. or whatever that thing yeah. is, the app. Uh, So, yeah, it ended up, I think, total from what I heard, it broke down five times that that Saturday.
0: So there's a lot of um, complaining going on and a lot of breakdowns. There's a lot of new technology in this ride. There are Uh, The the ride is really amazing. It's like three rides in one. It's about a 15-minute experience, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah. And uh, Fox News, which we don't know Always trust Fox News. <laughs> reporting that, uh, well, being part of the resistance is never easy. Disneyland in California recently opened Rise of the Resistance, its latest addition to the Star Wars to Star Wars Land, which is of course called Galaxy's Edge. While fans have given the ride positive reviews, there are reports of issues with the virtual queue and breakdowns. On opening day, the boarding group passes for the ride sold out within six minutes. Now, the day that I went, I'll just add, it was, like, within one minute. Yeah. At the at 8.01, all the boarding passes up to, like, 120 were... They're were, gone. ...were reserved, yeah. Yeah. And we were lucky to get number 15. I don't know how we did it, but we did it. Uh, according to the Orange County Register, fans reportedly starting lining up at midnight for a chance to experience the new ride, which you don't need to do. Do not show up at midnight. Yeah. You just need to be in the park at eight AM when the queue opens, so you can hit the app on your phone and and get you don't need to wait. Yeah. You don't need to show up, you know, eight hours early. Um so there was a there was a queue issue. People couldn't get into the queue and then the ride broke down just before ten AM, again at two thirty PM and again at six PM This was on, let's see, reporting on well, two days ago. For the record, for all you Disney fans out there, they lo- the line is,
3: 19th. is only the, the second longest line in Disneyland is uh, the Starbucks on Main Street compared to Rise of the Resistance. <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> um, well played. Starbucks, it's, not Star Tours? Not Star Tours. <laughs> you could walk on that right. So Disney's still it's, working. I just
5: want to make sure I got that right. Working yeah. the
0: kinks out of the Rise of the Resistance, but if you get on, it is something that's very unique and cool and uh, highly, highly recommend.
3: I still Go stand by that. I hope they work this out. I hope they fix this problem. It is a tough thing for them because, un- unlike uh, Smuggler's Run and many of the other rides, there's really one central part of the ride. So everyone kind of converges on this one area, and then it kind of breaks apart again. So if it breaks down, it breaks down. Yeah. Right? And you are stuck in that line, or you're waiting in your your group number queue and all that. So, right. Yep. yep. So you can do it, Disney.
0: Guys, I,
2: I, I am glad to hear that this ride is a, little, a lot more intriguing because Smuggler's Run, while very cool the first time you do it, yeah, loses its luster very quickly for me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's what she said. My, mm-hmm. my Hey, Greg, my feeling on that is I'd really love to see them change up like Star Tours, the ride, the, the, the paths you can take, where you can go, mm-hmm. different things. It's still the same ride, but maybe a different experience.
2: I wish if you weren't the pilot, there was more to do than to just concentrate on the small buttons you have to be pushing throughout the ride. I wish there was something to get you to pay attention to what's happening outside of the ship versus looking for what button to push next. Yeah, I think that detracts from the overall experience of the ride.
0: So was it our group? Did we go together and... Everybody in the cockpit just decided to not control anything.
2: No, I don't okay. with anybody. All yeah. right,
0: sorry, it was another group, and I was in—I was in the um, hyperspace seat, yeah. where you get to pull down the bars to engage hyperspace. Oh, and I got peer pressured into not touching anything. Oh. <laughs> so, when, so I was like, oh! what what, oh, what happens when you don't? It eventually anything? jumps to hyperspace on its own. You don't need to steer anything, move up and down. It'll go on its own. You crash into everything possible, but I mean, you know, you do that anyway. So that's the whole point. You know, it's like, eh, you're kind of controlling it, but eh, kind of not. Yeah. But Rides of the Resistance is, it's there's it's it's really fun and unexpected and really cool. Yeah. It it was fun. It is. It's three rides in one. Yeah. It's such an interesting Pretty concept neat. and. Yeah, you're dropped in the middle of a
3: movie. You well, really are.
2: To, yeah. to take it to its most simple. Yeah. To its really most basic and simple. The haunted mansion. I've been on that ride a thousand times. Yeah. But you still go on it and you still enjoy it and you still look for the little nuances that are out there in the ride. You know, there's there's a million things to see on the haunted mansion ride. Yeah. And, and even after, you know, you know the whatever, however many times I've been on it, you know I say a thousand, and it's probably close to that actually. But yeah. you know, however many times I've been on it, it's you know there's always something you're going to notice that you didn't quite get before. So
3: yeah, I I have a feeling. Okay, Rise definitely has that feeling. Um, more like the uh, the Haunted Mansion. There there is the walking through, up to a certain point, mm-hmm. and then one part of a ride starts and then you get off that ride and then you get into a section where you're walking again for a little bit and then you get into another ride. It's a totally different ride experience. One's more like a simulator. The other one's more like a, a track based type ride. Yeah.
0: And you're interacting with the people. So you're, you're, you're moving from, uh, I don't know if we want to do spoilers here, but you're you're dealing with people that are on both sides, the 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 Re- Resistance and the First Order. Yeah. And they are in character, and their personalities match their yeah. character. And so you're interacting with some life people too, and it's that makes it fun.
3: I, I love the fact... I, I'll keep it spoiler-free, even though I have spoilers all over my, our interview. But I will say this. Uh, the First Order people, kudos. You guys... Scared the living shit out of me. That's all I'm saying. I, there, there are some people that take their jobs way too seriously in that part. Although I will say
0: I, I did something fun. So in our group, yeah. at the very end, when you're being shuttled into, the the, the cells. Yes. And there's a guy, and they walk around with their hands behind their back, like just like their imperial, yeah. you know, military, and. I was, people were giving directions as to where to go. And I was the last one in my group. And I thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to say something to this kid. It's oh. probably like a 22 year old kid, you know? Yeah. I'm about a foot taller than him. So I walk up and he goes, prisoner, there. And I go, if I refuse. And I was the last one in my group. And so everyone looked and the guy just stared me, just steely eyed, stared me down. Just, yeah just drilled me through and I was like okay I'm sorry it's scary aren't <laughs> right, I was he was like uh, clearly they're trained to deal with people like what to do if they talk back or whatever yeah he didn't say anything he just just glared at me yeah and I was like okay
3: oh I got Greg I, I this this lady <laughs> man she must have been five foot two came up heard the brim of her hat was almost touching my forehead and she I have never felt like I was going to confess everything to this woman right there. I was just like, Jesus, I, all right, I'll go into the torture chamber. Yeah, There's I'm no good. space
0: bubble rules. In, in, and <laughs> no, with, there are uh, not. with the first order. That was we, so we uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So uncomfortable. All right, guys got a couple, couple of more stories here. Uh, I would be remiss if we didn't open this up a little bit to talk about uh, a big, big, big influence in, in uh, my life. And I f- have a feeling in some of yours Um, The passing of Neil Peart, uh, drummer for Rush Passed away at 67, he had brain cancer Um, Passed away a couple of weeks ago In between recording, actually after we had just uh, released An episode, we put a little uh, uh, A little note at the end of our last episode about Neil's passing But I wanted to talk about it here uh, Because I did find a connection with um, A topic that we talk a lot about on the show And that's comic books and uh, CBR.com relating the fact that uh, the comic book, there was a comic book that meant more to Neil Peart than any mention he ever got in Rolling Stone. And this was, I'm curious to know if you guys are familiar with uh, Marvel Comics tribute to Rush that was part of the series called, um, I had it and now I lost it as always. Oh, The Defenders. Oh, wow. So in 1976, The Defenders was in a state of flux following the departure of Steve Gerber. Anyone?
5: Yep. Okay. This all uh, sounds true so far.
0: Okay, following issue 41, Jerry Conway did a couple of fill-ins, but Roger Sliffer was brought in to finish out Conway's last story, which involved Doctor Strange becoming possessed by the star of Capsian. Um, or Kapistan and turning it into the Red Raja. I don't know what that is. Does that make sense? Okay.
5: It it That sounds I, – I don't understand any of that either, but that sounds <laughs> like a perfect encapsulation of 1970s Marvel comics, by the way. Yeah. In okay. That you had a name writer replaced by another name writer who gets replaced by someone you've never heard of. And it's this weird, mystical thing that sounds like they were on acid and pot <laughs> at the time that they wrote it. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So these two guys finish out this arc and wrote a few more issues together. And um, Kraft, David Kraft, somehow joined the team to help write one of the issues. And Kraft was a big Rock fan. Uh, and so, David so, Kraft? Uh, was Anthony Kraft. David A. Kraft. So his middle initial is A, so maybe it is Anthony? Anthony? Okay, David A. Kraft. So uh, Kraft was a rock fan. He would try to work in references to bands. At one point, he did a Blue Oyster Cult issue of The <laughs> Defenders. Definitely uh, acid and, and he did, but before that, he did an entire issue dedicated to Rush. And this was when Rush, uh, earlier in 1976, had come up with their landmark album, 2112. And, of course, if anyone knows that album, the entire side one of the vinyl is a 20-minute uh, epic. It's my favorite Rush album. Uh, Rush, just blast of a an, an amazing Overture song. Overture
3: and the Temples of Sirius yes. are just exactly. phenomenal.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, the lyrics, of course, uh, were written by Neil Peart. The drummer in the band was also the lyricist and uh, the other guys uh, in the group of course Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson um and the song was on that first side with the overture was um set in this dystopic future where mysterious priests control the world and have banned all creativity including music and so Defenders number 45 which was drawn by Keith Giffen and Klaus. Janson opens with a dedication to the band, and the issue is based on the Rush album Twenty One Twelve. That's amazing. So I
5: thought you guys would dig that. Totally dig that. That is interesting. That's really good. And, I, and I was just trying to—I was trying to look up on Wikipedia because go, going into early defenders, that is a—that is a deep dive. So first of all, I want to compliment you on going through that because that is. Um, that is some good stuff. Yeah. But I was just looking up on Wikipedia. because I, under, I understand was, none of it, by the way. But I just – okay. But no, that's what I'm saying. You got through that. You got through that with like like you knew what you were talking about.
0: Yeah. Right.
5: Like you read all those things yourself and you yeah. knew them. And I haven't even read some of that shit. And I'm probably the biggest Marvel guy here. But I was just looking this up. And this is the paragraph on Wikipedia that pertains to issue 45, which I think is fantastic. Due to Marvel's shuffling of editors in chief a brief run by Jerry Conway abruptly ended in mid-production on issue 45 David Anthony Kraft and Roger Sliffer volunteered to write the series but issue 45 had no written plot having been drawn by giffen following a verbal story conference with conway and Kraft and sliffer were were unable to contact either conway or giffen so they puzzled out the plot from the unscripted artwork (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) so the. So good.
0: That's great. So the end of this article is Rush, all caps, loved the issue. Yeah. And they invited Sliffer and Kraft to a concert to meet up with them afterwards. Uh, and they took a picture together with the Marvel artists and Rush backstage. Uh, if you go to CBR.com, you can check it out. This picture I'll put it up here uh, so at least, Scott, so you can see it. So there's 1970s Neil Peart (laughs) clearly with the mustache and the long hair. uh, Lifeson and and, uh, Getty Lee, and then you've got the Marvel artists flanking them. So uh, pretty cool. Definitely the ones doing the drugs were the Marvel artists right there. Uh, You cannot mistake Getty Lee anywhere. Love that.
3: Um, Okay, how much, Dave, would you want to pay to be in the room when that came down like okay we have no idea what to do but there's all these panels that are written are drawn (laughs) fuck it let's go with 2112 i mean can you imagine (laughs) that would be the moment that's
5: awesome i mean you gotta you know at that point in time i mean it was it was a sweatshop i mean these things were treated (laughs) like magazines and there there had to be content that came out every month so there was there was Hmm. absolutely no fucking around and no legit missing of deadlines so that makes perfect sense to me they were just like ah, yeah screw it let's do this seems like we can make it work that's that's brilliant i love Uh, that there there was it so years because it used to be a newsstand publication you had to have product there comic book publishers used to commission the this concept of a fill-in issue meaning they would just have a a script in the drawer and artwork in the drawer so if the regular team missed a deadline, they could literally just pull that out and send it to the printer and just publish a story out of sequence because at the end of the day, you had to have something on the stand that day. And they moved as they moved away from newsstand publications over the years, they stopped doing that. Now they just delay publication if the regular creative team is late. But Marvel still had a bunch of back backlog of these villain issues in their drawers. And about ten years ago, they just decided to burn through all of them. And just publish them all so that they had content out there. And there actually was one that was a Defenders fill-in issue. And they were able to reach out and contact the, uh, the original writing team for it. And oh, the guys right. were like, I don't even remember doing that. You're, you're going to have to figure it out on your own. Because I truly don't know what, what the hell the point of that issue was. I don't even know what that character was doing there. Hmm. And wow. the writer who wound up scripting that issue basically put that story on the front in a little blurb from the writer so that people knew if you don't like anything that's here I was making I literally was making it up as I went along. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and that's for awesome.
4: the millennial listeners right now, um this is somewhat akin to uh Coheed and Cambria's writing style of making a story out of
3: the lyrics. Wow. All right. That's awesome.
2: And Rush and Rush uh or Cody Campbell sounds a lot like Rush too, a very high-pitched singer, very like super rocky, you know, beats and everything like that. Huh. Yeah, very similar bands.
3: That's awesome.
0: Cool. All right. Well, thanks for indulging me, guys. I was uh, I spent a cu- I spent a rough weekend mourning my one of my idols, Neil Peart.
2: Hey, just today, see, we lost a uh, the valued member of Monty Python, Terry Jones, too. Director of yeah. Monty <gasps> Holy Grail, Terry yeah. Jones. Yeah,
5: Terry
2: Jones is gone. That was, it
3: today, it was today, right? It's just today,
2: yeah. just today. Super sad. Oh no! It's a rough start is... to 2020 already, guys. We're losing yeah. the losing the greats here. Yeah.
5: This Thanks, is... President Trump.
0: Yeah. This is the first. You just broke that news to me. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. Look, you oh, bastard! Wow.
5: You've got no arms left.
3: To have it's merely a scratch is he he was also wow. uh the guy eating in meaning of life right the one that
2: yes the one more what w- thin mint guy he was yes. the
3: super fat guy yeah super fat guy
0: that was amazing mm. god i love those movies yeah his his health has been uh suffering for a while yeah yeah
2: he, he was the one who did a lot of the he played a lot of the women like he played brian's mom in life of brian Brian! Um, yeah and he was always <laughs> doing that voice he was always yeah. Ryan!
0: old woman yeah. man yeah <laughs> right i'm not out i'm 37 <laughs> right yeah oh well yeah. oh that's a shame well, tough if, year tough year gosh yeah. <sighs> between Wait. the dodgers loss, neil pert and now yeah a, a python oh my god yeah. man all right we got to let's let's end on a high note guys we gotta we gotta bring this back here And you can always depend on Mark Hamill to bring us out of doldrums. Mark Hamill, what do we call him, Greg? National treasure. That's right. National treasure. National treasure. Mark Hamill, back in the news again because someone did him a a, a large, actually. Did him a large. Did him a large. (laughs) Someone did Mark a large by giving him his record back. Now. This is, this is a really cool story. So this is in the New York Times. Mark Hamill, a Star Wars star, gets his record back. An Arizona bookstore found an, uh, and returned an original vinyl record that had been inscribed by the composer John Williams and addressed to the actor Jay Willie. J. Willie. J. J. Wilbur gave a signed version of the original Star Wars Episode Four soundtrack. Gave it to Mark, and somehow he became separated from it. Um, and after all these years, it's back in his hands. Wow! So and, that was that was like a good sort of a good a feel good story to end the week.
3: And it week. was it was found in a was it a personal collection or a record store collection in Arizona, right somewhere?
0: Yeah, further? yeah, exactly. Um, they were gonna so they they had it for a couple of years. Okay. And they were they were debating whether to sell it. Yeah. And they reached out to him before they sold it, and uh, he you know, let them know that yes, he would love to have it back. Uh, the price tag was uh, during the Christmas season. It was displayed in the store for four ninety nine, four hundred ninety nine dollars and fifty cents.
3: That's it. Why not
0: just make it five hundred dollars? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The record was put on sale only for a couple of days uh, before they took it down and decided to try to return it to Mark.
3: Yeah, and he ended up signing a bunch of stuff for them, which now they have all this great signed cool. Mark Hamill stuff. Yeah. Can we get National Treasure Mark Hamill to start doing more Joker voices with Trump species? <laughs> yeah, <to> get, we, <laughs> oh, I miss that. I miss it so Can bad. Can
4: we get him to do, yeah, more than like fucking one... Yeah, <laughs> That would be great if he did more than one.
0: <laughs> Guys, guess what? I have a special surprise for you. We've been waiting it's time all. for <laughs> this. It's the Star Wars Tweet of the Week. Yahoo! Really? I'm curious. Because everybody knows that Twitter is a source of endless positivity. You're gravely mistaken. Come to your senses! Well, uh, there are a few Twitter accounts that are kind of funny all right guys this week's tweet of the week you've teased this i can't wait comes from holy one kenobi holy one kenobi
5: red alert red alert
0: (laughs) that's at high ground (laughs) on twitter holy one kenobi tweets now it's a visual i kind of have to Oh, no. I'm going to have to explain this.
5: That works well on a podcast, too.
0: Holy One Kenobi tweets Rose. So, what is my role in episode nine? JJ Abrams puts his hand in the air and says Credits will do fine. (laughs) Credits will do fine.
1: Yeah, that's right. I agree with your look of horrified realization. You can be very inconsiderate sometimes.
0: (laughs) See, let me explain why that's funny. (laughs) Here we go. Come on. See, (laughs) in episode one, <laughs> Something happens to the ship that Qui-Gon Jin is flying, in, and he has to go buy a part. And he goes down, and he's on this planet. I think it's called Tatooine. And he's talking to uh, Watto, and he says, "Watto says, we don't take your Republic credits." Uh, and and what is the line that Qui-Gon says? I have no idea, Steve. What what is the line? He says credits will do fine.
5: <laughs> Public credits will do.
1: <laughs>
5: oh! they will <won! laughs> But that is a great that that is a great. <sighs> uh, that's a fantastic <sighs> bottom, right. Just so you know. Oh, Thank you. That's that is legit.
0: You know what? This makes me want our commentary track desperately for all the films. <laughs> that's what we need. All I guaranteed was that I would get at least a little chuckle. At least a little noise out of someone. You're welcome. Thank you. You're yeah. <laughs> the reason uh.
1: this is a failure, and it makes me angry. Ah, that's true. <laughs>
0: <sighs> well, if you've never laughed at a Star Wars Tweet of the Week, Ooh. we're going to get a lot, a lot of, of people. on this <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Give us a call and let us know why it's not funny on the Wretched Hive Hotline. That's 562 562- 4554483. 5, That's 562455. 4, 5, 5, 5. Hive. That's HIVE. In case, in case you can't spell Hive. Goddamn right. <laughs> it's a race now. <laughs> for the goddamn right. Uh, you can also find us online at the wretchedhive.net on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Hive podcast. Email the show at show at wretchedhive.net. Oh, for... And twit. Tweet. <laughs> twit us, tweet us, you twit. Tweet. At, uh, at wretchedhivepod. Guys, tweet episode. Episode 105 is in the books. Final thoughts. Thank God.
2: (laughs) Anybody? Final thoughts? No?
0: No? I'm so glad that you guys always prep final thoughts. thoughts. Guys, have a wonderful couple of weeks. (laughs) We love you. Thanks for listening. And may the force be with us all.
4: Always. (laughs) Nailed
2: it well, you had to rush through the end of that too. you were fucking just on on fire there at the end of that one
0: <laughs> <laughs> almost didn't mispronounce anything <laughs>